Welcome everyone to Discovery, a Star Trek podcast by Fantastic Geek, your official, unofficial Star Trek podcast. My name is Matt and joining me as always is Pete. Hello, Pete. Hello, Matt. Hello, everybody. Here today to talk about Star Trek Las Vegas. And indeed, Pete, right out of the gate, let's talk the biggest headline coming out of Las Vegas this weekend, something that many people were hoping for, few people had hope in, but Pete, it is now going to happen. That's right, Schmaltz Brewing has announced the Profit Motive Hopped Up Golden Ale, a Star Trek Deep Space Nine-themed beer. We did it, Pete, we did it. Yeah, for the rest of us, what they were looking forward to was some news. Would CBS All Access be getting any other Star Trek content that might, you know, be worth having their service for more than two months? Now, Pete, before you say anything else, okay, this is not my Star Trek and I'm never coming back to CBS All Access. Tell me what they announced. Wait, you're, I, I need you to clarify that you're saying that from your double black diamond platinum reserve uh, cushioned seat that's easily like 11 rows from Rene Aubergenois. Uh, there was someone who got lost and thought that they were a front of the room guest, and I had sent them running back as I snarled at them from my double black platinum diamond seats. Harumph, harumph. You are a chuffed captain. But a real captain, Matt, we have finally officially announced the yet untitled Picard series that's going to pick up uh, in in this final chapter, I guess it's safe to say, in the storied life of Jean-Luc Picard. Uh, I'm sorry, I was just busy typing my credit card information into CBS All Access. I've now decided to get on board. Wait a minute, Pete, I think they did all of this on purpose. Masterstroke. Uh, those of us who were watching Discovery and, of course, have had a blast doing that. Uh, Discovery, a Star Trek podcast by Fantastic Geek. Of course, the first Star Trek Discovery podcast all the way back when it was announced. And, uh, of course, Matt, we will be bringing our listeners and fans the Picard series when we get it which depending on what you read is going to be a little bit of the clearly stated uh, portion of the uh, of the Patrick Stewart panel the one thing that I, I thought was a little disappointing however completely understandable was that they were announcing this series with no scripts now there could be stories in the early you know rough draft process coming stories. along they have they have a very firm outline from what i've been told but this is certainly i think it's not the best case scenario in terms of timeline to say the scripts are ready to go we're casting other people now stay tuned for that um and uh you know we're going to start filming in the fall or in the winter that kind of thing i Ultimately, as a fan, you know, Pete, I keep returning back to that phrase you last used on our on our uh, most recent Star Trek podcast, no wine before it's time. 
if they need to take six months or, or more to get all these particulars figured out, do it so that it makes for a better show. If they're not sure, 10 episodes versus 13, so on and so forth, get it all figured out. Let the story lead. Let schedule availability lead. I mean, my goodness, Pete, in our last podcast, anticipating this show being announced, as I think many people did, though, though there was shock from Entertainment Weekly that out of the blue, this was announced. No one knew it was coming, Pete. Um, but I digress. You know, is there plenty of opportunity for a three-episode Jordy storyline? Oh, actually, he's more available than that. Is there a story for four? Is there five? Whatever it's going to be. There's all of that potential there. For, for for the whole cast to really see where this story is going to go and darn it though i want it tomorrow take your time and let it be the best darn show it can be yes it's more than enough that the very public courtship of patrick stewart back to star trek was successful i mean Let's consider where he is at this point in his career as well. And it it just feels right and it feels earned. 16 years after the debacle that was Star Trek Nemesis as a send-off for the character, which I think everybody involved can agree was not as good as it could be. And this, in an era where TV is allowed to tell these much bigger sprawling stories. I mean, they're going to do something that would have never been able to be done for Star Trek, the next generation, and they get to do it in the next iteration, Matt. So what do you know? We had Alex Kurtzman on stage there to introduce Sir Patrick Stewart. And then of course he introduces this series. I think maybe the most touching thing his reaction to people's reaction of this news. And then a great photo only taken from your uh, triple platinum uh, blue diamond seats, Matt. In the wings, you had Jonathan Frakes and LeVar Burton emotionally overcome. And you can only hope not only will they appear but they've got to both be chomping at the bit to direct some of this. Absolutely. I mean, we've seen LeVar Burton on stage in particular talk about how there was this post, uh, post next generation directorial career that he had uh, on the Star Trek series. And then those went away and his directing, uh, his directing career kind of faded a bit as well. So all this opportunity, certainly to follow freaks back into the Star Trek fold um, as you mentioned, Pete, it was Alex Kurtzman who was uh, introducing him. Deadline notes that Kurtzman will be joined by James Duff, who we've talked about previously. He's now a Discovery executive producer. Um, the show is also going to be uh, be managed by Kiva Goldsman, who we've mentioned. He's on the uh, Discovery, of course. Michael Chabon. And last in the list is Discovery writer Kristen Beyer, who, of course, we've had the pleasure of seeing on stage as well at uh, Star Trek Mission New York. What I did find odd, Pete, was, uh, among other things, there was a tweet from Mike Johnson, that's at, uh, at Mike Comics with an X, uh, who kind of suggested uh, in a quote tweet from a, from a Variety quote focusing on Chabon more than that other author buyer, you know, is Kristen Beyer being marginalized in this? And kind of further question, certainly unclear to me, 
who is it who created this show? Yeah, I think there's a great deal of intrigue to that right now. I'm going to point you, Matt, to a now-deleted tweet by Discovery writer Bo Yun Kim, who said that uh, one of the many things that Star Trek has gifted me, my friendship with Kirsten Beyer, is one that I will forever cherish and welcome back, Captain. As soon as I went to retweet that, it was gone. I took a photo of it. Um, so there seems to be some concern that someone who was rightfully, uh, at the center of creating this, I mean, buyer, a super fan, a novelist, kind of the, the keeper of the, uh, continuum, um, of canon right now for, uh, Star Trek, particularly when it comes to discovery, not getting her due. That that does seem to to be a possibility, and I'll just mention as a tangent, Pete, or something that might seem like a like a complete left turn, but we'll quickly return to the Star Trek fold. Here we are at the conclusion of the second weekend of Mission Impossible Fallout being out in theaters. It continues to do super super well, be well received. It's a movie, obviously starring and produced by Tom Cruise, written and directed by Christopher McQuarrie, uh, and I think McQuarrie has a director's credit as well just want to point out that that same team last year made the mummy a tremendous failure uh, i think anybody who watched it would agree certainly financially uh critically etc the difference of those two teams you know the mummy starred cruise produced by cruise uh mcquarry i believe wrote the script co-wrote the script co-produced the difference between the two was alex kurtzman so just some 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 questions in the air certainly yeah i mean we got this big five-year deal uh to develop these other things and it's fairly clear cbs needs additional star trek content i'm sure they have evaluated these subscription numbers for the two chapters of discovery at this point and said hmm why is there a gigantic spike in these months was that the good fight wife Thing? no it wasn't that was star trek oh a couple months later there's another star trek and you see that barely you know discernible pulse that's everything else get us more of the stars trek who can do that oh mr kurtzman come on in uh in- indeed kurtzman the one who's left after these you know prior leadership changes i made a comment to you pete it appears that when Star Trek Discovery started, he was fourth place in the pecking order, uh, and now now is first. So he was on the secondary bridge on uh, the Enterprise D. The the battle bridge, Pete. He was on the battle bridge. Okay, and that thing's been separated, and now he's running this on a on a five year mission. So you just you want to see everybody who is actually creating getting their due. Um, This is an era in Hollywood in which uh, things do not remain secret. And if that's the case, it's going to come out at some point better to be ahead of the curve and and rightfully identify uh, the, the voices, the creators rather than take credit for someone else's work, Matt. 
and I'll just point out that in this era of the super producer, particularly now that Netflix seems to be, you know, gobbling them up, uh, in, you know, in kind of the, the, uh, in the entertainment press or in entertainment weekly, things like that, you know, you know, the names of Shonda Rhimes, you know, the names of Ryan Murphy, not to mention Kenya Barris, Matt just pulled away from ABC to a seven figure deal at, uh, Netflix. So, but those are all people who are also, I mean, again, kind of, they're kind of celebrities to a certain degree, but they are up front. They are up front saying, this is my fantastic producing partner on Grey's Anatomy. Oh, this is the person who now runs Grey's Day Today. This is my person on uh, on uh, American Horror Story. This is my great team on American Crime Story, et cetera, et cetera. It's not this kind of like, Shonda Rhimes writes every script for Grey's Anatomy and the show that's on after it about the firefighters and this over here. And this, you know, it's 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 somebody who's at the top, but who's sharing the credit. Yeah. Um, and again, let's just hope that the guild doesn't need to get involved and, and straighten this out, that uh, people can be proper in how they handle things. But Matt, the, the upshot is that a beloved character, I would argue the, the third most popular character in all of Star Trek, gets to return. We get to add to his story and more than likely the story of the next generation crew well said there pete and uh, we will certainly keep our ears to the ground for further news on that series uh a conversation we've had off microphone that i think we've we've hinted at a bit here is that with them not having scripts ready to go uh you know when discovery was announced without a name that was 22 months before it aired when it was announced with a name it was 13 or 14 months before it aired i would propose that we're you know that we're probably in between those two um i would not be surprised if they say hey it's a 10 episode uh arc maybe versus 13 uh, and it's going to be you know, like, it's not my anticipation that they bring back the entire Next Generation crew for every single episode and everybody gets their names in the credits every single week. You know, so something that's a bit smaller and a bit, you know, a, a, a bit, uh, you know, can, can be put into pieces. I'll mm-hmm. point out, Pete, some of these smaller pieces, you know, you pay for CBS All Access by month. If you do a five, if you do a six episode arc, well, people are going to pay for eight weeks and things like that, which... I'm not here to quibble about that's the model. That is what it is. So if you do stuff that divides unevenly into that, then you kind of pad things out a little bit and, and that's how it goes. Um, but let's not anticipate this for, you know, falls Sunday at eight, that kind of yeah. thing. It's, it's going to be a bit. Um, and they're not, while, while they are making it to provide it for CBS all access to obviously boost their numbers, that's now a secondary uh, discussion. It's you have Patrick Stewart go out and make this great thing that picks up the mantle of the work that he's been involved with before in Star Trek that is not Star Trek Nemesis. Certainly no question there, Pete. And uh, speaking of the future continuing to unfold, indeed, even the past, future, future, past. 
uh, we'll, we'll turn our focus now to season two of Star Trek Discovery and some of the panels that, uh, that were at Las Vegas. Pete, it was said that season two is going to be lit. Will there be a new lighting crew, Matt? Pete, I think they're referring to what, what the cool kids say, although uh, although it, it was claimed that the kids don't say that anymore. I, I guess we'll have to ask the youths of, of, of the world if lit is still cool or if it's not cool or if you can be ironic or I don't even know, Pete, but season two, it's going to be a good time. Cannot wait for the resumption. We've unfortunately already had it pushed back to 2019. That's all right. We likely expected that was going to be the case anyway, amidst some of the behind the scenes turmoil. But yeah, that they've gotten that first trailer out, that they continue to work on it, that you had much of the cast in Las Vegas this weekend to talk about what's coming, to, to hint, to joke, to play with the fans uh really stoking that enthusiasm for a show that we know many many people watch despite the fact that there are some people at star trek las vegas who spent a lot of money to get there that don't have any leftover to afford one month of cbs all access yeah, and I, Pete, I think a, a podcast for a later date will be really trying to drill down and understand why there's opposition to the subscription model. Uh, I, I know, just as a quick tangent, I had shared with you a comment that somebody had made to the Fantastic Geek Twitter that said, all of these subscriptions are now double what cable used to cost. And it's like, um, no. <laughs> what the hell were you paying for cable? <laughs> yeah, I mean, there, there's about four or five and HBO. HBO is 15 a month. All the others are less than 10. Whether you want to do no commercial, you know, if you want to do the lower end model, you know, CBS All Access. There are so many options out there. I was sharing with you yesterday that um, we we just moved. And when we moved, we moved from Comcast to Comcast and we were considered a new address, though we were existing customers and we got to redo our entire Xfinity bill and they are now paying for our Netflix. Um, so that came off my American Express bill where it's been for like the last seven or eight years. So th there's so many options out there if you cannot find a way and i'm sure cable companies and, and streamers are going to continue i mean we know that uh, amazon offers a way to watch all access i mean i would point at this point i think they just need like an app for tvs um because i i really want to be able to watch it on a on a big screen and not just on my laptop or my ipad uh but you know again you it's a quibble. There are ways to watch these. There are ways to afford these services. If you're going to get bent out of shape about $6.99, $9.99 without commercials, and you are sitting in double black, uh, you know, galaxy class seats, I, I can't hear you and flew in from somewhere else and did four nights at a las vegas hotel da, and da, da. got sick at, at, at your buffet you know got food poisoning like just stop stop 
Well, Pete, uh, to, to bring it back to Discovery, I, mean, I guess we've been on Discovery, we've been on CBS All Access, but I think much of the panels at uh, Star Trek Las Vegas, of course, they're not going to come out and say, and I can tell you exclusively today that uh, Dr. Kolber comes back by way of a, of, a, of a warp wave that, you know, like, of course, there's not going to be those things. No. I feel like it was very much the spirit of celebrating Star Trek Discovery. You know, this time last year, they had two panels, I think, and it was very kind of toe in the water and very like, uh, of course, they weren't going to talk specifics, but there was still that that broader sense of contention with the the old school star trek guard irrespective of the people who claim that they are star trek fans when they're not you know those people who say star trek is when white guys are in charge and i guess maybe yeah. the rare Catherine janeway or that cisco guy who let's not forget didn't start out as a captain you know those people we can ignore completely but pete let me share one quote with you from wilson cruz uh every day somebody writes something to one of us that explains why it's so important to have representation that matters we're aware of it we feel it we hear it and we are so grateful for the response and that's so gratifying that they're getting that response these are performers in roles that are important beyond the theatricality of it. This is a hopeful representation of the future at maybe the second greatest moment in our televised history when we need it outside of the civil rights movement. Uh, I mean, certainly well said. And I, I think certainly season one of Discovery, particularly that first half, it, you know, there were moments where we we're discussing on the podcast is this a political thing? Is is uh, is Cole representing a politician that we're all familiar with? You know, and, listen. And just because you want to remain Klingon, Matt, that's not political. Come on, why why do you have to politicize everything? Well, if if if, if Star Trek isn't somehow being whether it's uh, political or social commentary or things like that, then it's just people running around with laser guns and that's not what star trek is all about but pete you mentioned klingons are you sitting down pete yes okay good here's a quote from glenn hetrick who's the the makeup guy you're gonna be blown away that the klingons have a new look going into season two pete it, aren't the klingons from season one the definitive klingons and they can't ever be different from that and nothing can ever change do you remember the photo that surfaced of klingons um at craft services at some informal points in shooting in Toronto and how people lost their minds. I absolutely do. Yeah. Just again, take a deep breath. It's okay. It's still Gene's Trek. It's still the same great ideas and metaphor. Okay. The uniforms are a little different. The sets are modern they're not going to uh, be able to realistically recreate the Enterprise of 1966, regardless of whatever balsa wood they might try to use, okay, and just go in for the story and for the larger meaning, and you'll be fine. Particularly, and you know, I was talking with somebody on Twitter a short while ago, although he has yet to respond, probably because I won the argument. Uh, <laughs> myself and a new Twitter friend who 
she a she, she a person of color i think he probably just felt overwhelmed by oh, people telling him no uh, but i digress pete if if it's one thing if you're like all right i have concerns about where this fits into the timeline that's a nerdy argument when it's you know these aren't my klingons you're aware that the wharf makeup michael doran came back to deep space nine with the promise that the makeup would be much shorter than it was that was a different makeup Mm-hmm. application kit i don't know what the proper term is that was a different makeup maneuver than it had been prior to that and in next generation thing his makeup changes i mean you see him when it first starts out that's very different than season seven mm-hmm. and that's an improvement over the movies which were a drastic reimagining of the klingons from the cheaper option because romulan ears were expensive and Romulan helmets were expensive, but if you put shoe polish and yak hair on guys, now all of a sudden they're aliens because they wear the same spray-painted silver sweaters. Like, let's remember where this comes from. Shoe polish faces, Fu Manchu yak hair glued on, and spray-painted sweaters. Yeah. I, I think we're better off with full head makeup. This at a time when we have a, a character like Saru and Kelpians now with these crazy legs and threat ganglia and, and everything else. It is a great time, finally, again, to be a Star Trek fan. Pete, here's a quote from Rika Sharma. Uh, never, I never imagined I could become a part of this incredible, brave, and virtuous show. And she also went on to say, as a kid, I used to watch reruns of the original series. And for a little brown girl in a super white neighborhood in Canada, it was the first thing that gave me hope for a future where everyone could be equal. That's that's adorable. And, you know, it's it's unfortunate that at least on the surface right now, it appears her character will be unable to come back but this is science fiction so let's cross our fingers didn't her character have a have a twin somewhere pete (laughs) they yes there were twins in both universes so there's actually multiplication by a factor of two (laughs) uh pete a couple of quotes here from anson mount who you know i think our expectation is he's a a season two cast member I, i i have no claim that you know I have no claim to believe. And in season seven, he's going to still be around. I think that. Oh, he's going to be around. Boop. That's that is that certainly is true. But you understand what I'm saying, that this isn't like, oh, man, we've added new Ensign Smith and Ensign Smith is going to be the breakout character of season two. Uh, However, that said, Pete, would I rule out the possibility of maybe if things work out well, maybe they do a spinoff where it's him and the Enterprise. Maybe we'll we'll cross the bridge. That's the no, but um, uh, a couple of quotes here. One uh, on Twitter where he said, thank you to Mr. George Takei for not only helping to set fire to, to my imagination when I was a child, but also turning out to be an incredibly gracious human being. He got the picture there at STLV, yep. both uh, both smiling. And, you know, if if one thing, if only one thing could be said about this Discovery cast, it's that they are so uh respectful and reverential to the star trek actors who came before them they understand what it means and it's star trek star wars both united in that they take on this huge life past the the performances you play the role for but a brief time but you know 
how long has George Takei, has Nichelle Nichols' life been defined by the characters that they played and what it represents? I mean, the great photo of Emily Coots as a uh, navigator now with the original navigator of uh, Star Trek and, you know, being able to to put that together. I mean, it's just it's it's wonderful that an event like this goes on and they're able to talk about where this falls in terms of importance 52 years into this. And one really gets the impression that Anson Mount in particular has that perspective. Uh, he kind of, you know, a bit of a journeyman actor. Hell on Wheels was well-received, but I don't think ever had the splash that AMC was looking for. Uh, you know, he does the Marvel show in Humans, which we watched, which we podcasted. And, and that's going to be great because by season three, four, five, six, when Pike is no longer able to talk, he's got a lot of experience doing that. So, <laughs> you know, he can move around in the chair and, you know, they can make the, the, the one beep for yes and the two beeps for no. For the uninitiated, Anson Mount's character on uh, Marvels and Humans Black did Bolt. not speak. Uh, Black Bolt did not speak, so therefore he gets to go from a not-speaking character to a future not-speaking character. Uh, but Pete Anson Mount said in Las Vegas, I grew up watching the original series and knowing Roddenberry's work. We are at our most basic good, curious, and adventurous. Again, I I can't adore these actors who have been cast in these roles anymore for their reaction and understanding of what it means to people, what it means to inclusion and representation to be a part of this franchise. And, you know, you say franchise, like James Bond is a franchise, but apart from like you know, drop dead gorgeous women and a, a legacy of gadgets and alcoholism. Like there's really no lasting appeal to that franchise. Okay. This speaks to the betterment of humanity. And there's so few uh, properties like that. And I mean, one as well that continues to, to not entirely be reinvented, but that can be reimagined when the times call for it. I mean, to dip back to James Bond for one second, you know, in these increasingly enlightened times, or at least enlightened in, in some quarters, uh, you know, I mean, the Bond franchise, I, I think, uh, struggles a bit with what is the legacy, what is the stuff you need to hit in every episode, every episode, every movie, and you know, does all of that still work? I mean, something like Star Trek, it, first of all, it's always been in the future, of course. So you have that ability to, to be uh, inspirational and affirmational, but then you add to it, you know, just this ability to play around with different time periods and corners of the galaxy and whatnot. And to really, you know, it's entirely appropriate. You know, here we're about to talk about Sonequa Martin-Green in a moment. It's entirely appropriate to have a woman of color as your lead captain she is not yet though um and you know that's okay where back in 66 it would have been it would have been impossible to imagine the decision to have the show chronicle her ascension to a captaincy is maybe the most modern decision they could have made 
in that someone will struggle and emerge successful um, as a person of color. And we get to watch it happen instead of here is Captain whomever and she is in the future where uh, issues of race and sexism have been completely eliminated. So she's just like everybody else. And that's like your time too, isn't it? Well, we're working on it. Slowly but surely we're working on it. Um, one bit of information that definitely caught my ears uh, coming out of Las Vegas was the following quote by Sonequa Martin-Green. I knew about Lorca because I needed to know for what we were creating uh, from the beginning. So not, I'm not majorly surprised that she was in on that and that as number one on the call sheet. I think that was part of the discussion when you know she was coming over. Like, look, there's, there's going to be a captain. We're going to kill her off. There's going to be another captain, which is on the Discovery. He doesn't really belong there. Um, and again, now she's behind Pike, uh, until that resolves itself and you know i'm i'm not suggesting and i really don't think it's going to go pike to burnham and then she's in charge of discovery but again it's that evolution it's the idea that we've got to see the the struggle uh through the cocoon to become what you're meant to be yeah just as a side theory i would bet that we get the intended uh, Discovery Captain, you know, the one on Vulcan that they're going to pick up. I would bet that we get that, you know, I don't know, last third or last quarter of the season to just kind of be like that that block for the audience. Like, no, she's ready for it. We're ready for it. But, yeah. you know, yeah. I mean, fair is fair. Her resume is not, uh, not her, Sonequa Martin-Green. Burnham's resume, resume is not ready for it. The chain of command is not ready for it. If they're going to yeah. choose anybody, it would be Saru. Who has been told he's not, you know, that the, it's already been decided he's not ready for it. So they can prolong this. I mean, that, that's what they do, right? That's they, they stretch us all out. That's the nature of drama. Well, Pete, as we start to wrap things up here, we'll just, uh, I guess we just have to take a moment to acknowledge the never-ending autograph line, you know, for that show that no one was going to like and no true Trek fans would want. Uh, and also the announcement that's going to end up on Blu-ray, something that you predicted last month on this very podcast. Yeah, I might have a line on uh, on a couple of sets of Blu-rays. Um, I wanted to feel torn, Pete, because I I am able to have it's not it's not cognitive dissonance; it's having two separate thoughts in your mind at the same time. I'm able to love Star Trek Discovery and dislike. So much about CBS All Access, much of it, you know, whether it's their website or their this and that, we don't need to rehash that, but, you know, whatever. And I wanted to be like, no, they're not getting more of my money. But then it was like, wait, do I want to have access to Discovery all the time? Yes. Do I want to pay CBS All Access every month ad infinitum for Discovery? No. Okay. I guess I'll put the Blu-rays on my Christmas list. And that'll be that. That's okay. Are they going to get more of my money? Uh, yeah, they own Star Trek. That's how it goes. That's the name of the game. Um, when we build the time machine, finally, Pete, we'll go back to like 1963 uh, or even earlier. We'll report Gene Roddenberry for moonlighting from the LAPD uh, <laughs> where he was a motorcycle cop. And then we'll quick run to NBC and be like, wagon train. 
to the stars because like we're going to yeah. be in the moon and like because kennedy said and the moon and stuff and we'll beat him to it until then i guess i'm getting my blu-rays this christmas yes and uh i i think they've they've timed that smartly it lines up with what they did with uh, the good fight um it was inevitable this would come to uh dissemination past uh cbs all access they they get their window and you know people who want to own this either physically or digitally are, are going to get that opportunity to do that i proudly own a physical copy of every episode of star trek uh all the movies and this will be a welcome addition to my library and speaking as somebody who, you know, with a pilot that I've written that's gotten some traction now, um, you know, very, very much influenced by the, the hope evident for the future in Star Trek. I, I don't think there's an important time other than the civil rights movement that this property be out there. And now that we're going to come back to two shows uh going on which let's be honest is is not a hey let's change the world thing it's a business decision first it's you know changing the world second but you know come on having a jean-luc picard in an era of uh fake news and being able to to beat that back doesn't get any better than that well said there, Pete, and I think a good uh, a good reminder to everybody the the role first of all that show business plays. There's the business as much as the show, and it's the business people who are the first ones to pay for all this stuff. Wait, hang on, Pete. Where did CBS All Access get the idea, motivation, and money to do a second Star Trek show? Was it from CBS All Access All Access's first Star Trek show? I think so. So all the non-pirating and non-harumphing and non-I refuse to watch because I'm going to hold my breath uh, until I turn as blue as a bullion and and uh, I'm, I'm never going to give them more money. Uh, let me go get the next generation Blu-rays. Um, you know, it, it all works out. We got Picard back because Discovery is a hit. Hopefully the two shows can, can coexist. I don't see why not. Um, different eras different this different that it's gonna be a lot of fun when the picard show eventually hits until then ton of discovery coming our way and uh we will be there pete to podcast it all for our listeners we will and at the intersection of promotion and production matt on our end podcasting itunes here someone has left us a review to discovery a star trek podcast by fantastic geek this was dr strange lover it is headlined wasn't a fan now i am five stars and it reads i didn't consider myself a star trek fan but pete and matt are so good with their marvel podcast that i took the plunge boy am i happy i did just like their other dozen or so podcasts, they only enhance the experience with things normal viewers would never notice. They're so good that people who work on the shows even give them behind-the-scenes tidbits. Listen today. You won't regret it. No comment there. But, Pete, uh, certainly great to hear accurate praise from our listeners and uh Pete, the only, the only thing that makes me feel a little bittersweet is with uh, with STLV in the uh, 
in the rearview mirror here. When's uh, when's next time we get to talk Star Trek? At least new Star Trek. When are those shortcuts coming? You know, I was all, as much as I don't want to be arms cr crossed harumph, I was very, you know, like, uh, I'm not going to pay for there to be just the one 15 minute a month. Uh, if there's a short track next month, be, uh, I say we podcast it the week it comes out. We absolutely will. And there'll be something that happens before then. I'm sure of it. Well, with that, Pete, we'll start to wrap things up here. We want to hear from our listeners, hear their thoughts on the upcoming short treks, on season two of Discovery, on the Picard series, yet unnamed, on, heck, old Star Treks as well. It's been a while since we've discussed uh, you know, anything but the newest of the news. So, Pete, how can people be in touch with you? You can find me on Twitter at Peter, P-I-E-T-E-R-J-K-E-T-E-L-A-A-R-9935. -E 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 -A -A followers. Can't be wrong. And while I'm personally on Twitter as Looking Back Lost, do be in touch with the podcast. Comment on FantasticGeek.com. Check us out on Twitter, Instagram, and Gmail, where we are Fantastic Geek as well. But wait, Pete, there's more. Facebook.com slash Fantastic Geek with the PH, all one word, like it today. Well, for those listening on the Pop Culture Podcast feed, we'll, we will be back later this week to talk uh, the conclusion of Cloak and Dagger. If you're listening on the Discovery feed, we will be back as soon as possible to talk more Star Trek. It's our Starbase One, Pete. With that, I will say money, Vegas money, baby, and give you <laughs> the final word. There are two shows.